discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God has not changed. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. So can I share something small with you today? You remember we've been sharing concerning learning the fear of God, isn't it? Learning the fear of the Lord. Are you fearing God some more? Yeah. Because there's a very uh, interesting future for all of us. And we have to be smart. If we are not smart, the problems will be many. Hallelujah. You have to be smart. We can't afford to just show up in heaven and not know what answers to give to God. You must be conscious of what answers to give to God. Because God is going to require things of you. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Let's start from there. Second Corinthians 5, 10. Read it to me. One to go. We must all. Say we must all. Do you understand we must all? Everybody sitting here. Whether you are three or seven, all of them, everybody, so long as you have appeared in the system, in this world, when you go back to wherever you are, you have come from. There are people who don't even believe that they came from God. I want to use another thing altogether. You, when you get there, you will see whether you came from him or not. Yeah, well, I'll not even talk about that one. But he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us, every Christian, he was talking to Christians, not to unbelievers, everybody must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that everyone may receive the things done in his body. You see the his is in brackets. Because they couldn't tell whether he was talking about this physical body or the body of Christ. They couldn't tell whether he was talking about the physical body or the body of Christ. According that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So whatever you use, and it actually has double reference to both the body and the body of Christ because of certain scriptures I'm going to show you right now. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You remember we're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 6 the last time. Let's read from verse, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 10. Let's go up. Go to verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't what? Who is an unrighteous man? Who is an unrighteous man? One who is not born again. So this is not with reference to people who have given their lives to Christ. Are you saying it? They says, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. Go up. Go up once. Go to verse 9. Let's read in the Amplified. So we see the different categories of people. There are different types of people into different things. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived or misled. Neither the impure and immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor cheats, swindlers and thieves, nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed revilers and slanderers, nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Period. Thank God. Then look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. It says, And such were some of you, meaning that if you are a child of God, he does not look at you as, a, as an adulterer, as an, a fornicator, as whatever. He says, And such were some of you, but you were washed clean, 
purified by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. This is what has happened because you have been purified by the blood of Christ. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 6, it says that unto him who loved us and gave himself for us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus washed us from our sins in his own blood. We are washed. See, I'm washed. I'm washed. Says, and such were some of you. Such were some of you, but ye are washed. That's the King James. I, I remember the King James. It says, but ye are washed, clean, purified by complete atonement for sin, and made free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated. You were cons- apart from being washed from your sin, you were consecrated and set apart. Hallowed. And you were justified, pronounced righteous. Have you seen it? You were pronounced what? Righteous by trusting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. This is what has happened to you now that you are born again. Go to the Amplified. He starts off by saying that, listen, all these people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They are out. But such were some of you. But now you are washed, you are sanctified, you are cleansed. You are justified by the, in the name of the Lord and in the, in, by the Holy Spirit. You are set apart. Now that you are set apart unto God, he says, everything is permissible. Now that you are in God, you are in Christ. Everything is permissible. Why? Because you can be forgiven for everything you will do. You can be forgiven for everything you do. Since everything is permissible, allowable, and lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. You can fornicate and confess your sin. God will forgive you. It is allowable. Ah, is that not what the Bible says? First John chapter 1 verse 9. Go to First John chapter 1 verse 9. He says, if we sin, and we confess our sins. He is faithful. We didn't say which category of sin. He lets you know that if we sin and we confess our sin, if only you will confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. That is God's position for you. He loves you. He is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's the truth. First John chapter 2. Go to chapter 2 now. Let's read from verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Have you seen it? And if any man sin, he says, I don't want you to sin, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Christ Jesus the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's a propitiation for our sins. So Paul says that, listen, such were some of you. None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you are washed, cleansed, blah, blah. But everything is permissible to me allowable to me i can do whatever i want to do now that i'm in christ i can do of course that's what it means you can do whatever you want to do but it's not everything that is going to help you why because he knows the future and he discusses it he says everything is permissible allowable and lawful for me but not all things are helpful not all things are good for me to to do expedient and profitable when considered with other things when considered with other things everything is lawful for me but i will not become the slave of anything or be brought under its power you are a slave of porn. You are a slave of masturbation. Clearly, what, what he says is what you do. It's like when the lady shows up, you can't help yourself. Even if you are on your way to go and preach to somebody, when the lady calls you, yes, ma. And you start going. You are going. I mean, you are a slave, clearly. Not to God, but to that thing. And that's what God is against. God does not want you to be a slave of something else, He wants you to be His slave. Go to Romans chapter 6. Let's read from verse 11. Romans 6, 11. Even so, consider as it's likewise reckon yourselves also dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. He says reckon. Look at the Amplified. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin because Christ has brought you out of sin. Now consider yourself dead to sin and alive. Dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Reckon it. Look at the next verse. Verse 12. Let no sin therefore rule as king in your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lust and evil passions. Don't let your body rule you now. What your flesh says is what you do. Flesh says, let's do this, so we do it. No. Flesh says, let's boost, let's go for a party, wild party, so you go. You are a slave to your flesh. And that's what God is against. If you come back and you confess, he'll forgive you. But you should know what you are losing. I'll show you what you are losing. Let nothing therefore rule. Go to the next verse, verse 13. 
do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Next verse. For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you. Since now you are not under law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. We are now subjects of God's favor and mercy, not slaves to sin. Let's read King James from here. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Next verse, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Have you seen it? And this is what is happening. Since God forbid, the fact that you are under grace does not mean that you should just do whatever you want to do. Next verse. Knowing not that to whom you yield yourself, servants to obey. Don't you know? In grace, what you yield yourself, servants to obey. Eh? Knowing not that to whom you yield yourself, servants to obey. His servants, he are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. I mean, message of this. Let's read message. Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroys freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin, sin tell you what to do. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do. Now that you are in Christ, let God also tell you what to do. We must put things in right perspective or else you have problems. You have plenty of problems. You go and go and go and go and go. Be doing things you never thought you would do. Because you are born again. Because you are hearing that, oh, everything is forgiven. So now, hey, you will do anything. Hey, lady, come here. <laughs> Freedom. You can't. No, but that's not what the Bible says. Go back to First Corinthians chapter 6, where we're reading. It's a long, nice read. Similar thing is written in Ephesians chapter 5. Similar thing. Everything is permissible, allowable. But I will not become the slave of anything or be brought under his power. Next verse, verse 13. Food is intended for the stomach. And the stomach for food. It was a phrase that was used in the olden days. But God will finally end the functions of both and bring them to nothing. The body is not intended for sexual immorality. The body is what? Say it again. The body is not what? But it's intended for the Lord. So he singles all the things. He says, and such were some of you, thieves, whatever, 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 whatever. Then he says, everything is allowable, but everything is not, it's not going to help me. It's not expedient. Food for the belly and belly for the food. But God shall destroy both, both of it, stomach and food. All those things will end. Then he says, the body is not for fornication. King James, let's read King James. Now the body is not for fornication. It's not for fornication. It is but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. This is your body that you are sitting here with. Since your body is not for fornication. But your body is for the Lord. These days, Christians are going out. Oh, pastor, I love this guy. He has come to propose to me. I like him, Lord. Pastor, he's very, he's very nice. The way he says, I love you, no, he's pastor. You should be that when he's saying it. He's very, very nice. Wow, wow pastor, you should be there. I love you more. <laughs> then the guy also comes. Pastor, you know, this lady is a lady that I've been thinking about all my life. She's the girl of my dreams. I see her everywhere. She's like a, a shadow that, I, is, that works with me, Pastor. I love her. I want to be with her. Pastor, I'm going to propose to her. What, what do you think? Even if you don't think, we are proposing anyway. <laughs> then you go, you propose. Then the lady to, oh, I accept. I love you. So they come, they come to church. Pastor, we are going out. Everything is fine. Powerful. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we pray for your children. Help them. Keep them to the time they marry in Jesus' name. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> then they go away. Because of Kim Kardashian. And Miley Cyrus and all those people on TV. Who are living with their boo? Do you know living with your boo? Or living with their bae? They are living with their bae. They are living as husband and wife even though they are not married. They have not contacted any family member. The day someone will die in your room, you will see. No, no. It's a very, you don't consider a lot of things. All you are thinking about is your waste power. So, 
you bring someone to your you are you are storing somebody in your room three months the person is being stored in your room the day she will not wake up again you will see where you will pass how did she end up in your room what did you do to her you you can go to jail very easily very very your life can just end very easily very easily but you've not realized it your foolishness has preceded your wisdom You should be afraid to keep a lady in your room for three days, even one night. You should be afraid. But because of all these people that we are listening to, you are now living with your be. It's normal, and you can't put. The Bible says you can't put fire in your bosom and not expect to be burnt. A lady with body. Look at this one. Body. Look at skin. Nice. No. Look at. Look at this. Fresh. Whatever. Look at this one. Turmeric, whatever is inside. Everything is inside. Fresh, whatever. How can this one be lying on your bed and you say that? Oh, oh, Pastor, we are just lying in bed. We are not doing anything. Everything is fine. Pastor, we are best friends. We just like each other. What are you talking about? She go and bath. She go and bath and put towel around her. Succulent body. Just moving in your room like that, shaking, and you say that, "Oh, Pastor, I'm strong." What I don't know. Strong words, by the way. No, you are mad. There's something wrong with your brain. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So your body is is for the Lord, but because of what is happening around, it's no more for the Lord. It's for fornication. So, you see, the Bible, because of how power, power, powerful fornication is, and how powerful adultery is, okay, and what, that's why he singles it out. After discussing that you have moved away from all these things, now you are in Christ. Everything is allowed, but not everything, it's not everything that is expedient. Don't become a slave of anything. Then he says, the body is not for fornication. He singles it out and discusses it. You'll be surprised. It is not for fornication, but it is for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Let's read the Amplified now. Go back. Read the Amplified. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but it's intended for the Lord. And the Lord is intended for the body to save, sanctify, and raise it again. This is the intention the Lord has for your body. To save your body, because our bodies are not saved. Our spirits are saved. We have eternal salvation. Our souls are being saved. Our bodies shall be saved. There are three large salvations in the Bible. The first one is spiritual salvation. And that's what happened. Someone comes to become born again here, or you lead someone to Christ. If the person were fair, he doesn't change to become dark. If the person was bowed, he doesn't, he doesn't grow hair. If the person was short, you don't become tall. If the person was fat, you don't become slim. I mean, you have your body, nothing, nothing happens to your body. And if you're not careful, you, know, if you, you will even think that nothing has happened to you. Because not, there's nothing physically that may happen to you. Some people are healed and all that. But I mean, it's strictly for the spirit. Okay? Huh. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. Now, these things, blah, blah, blah. go to the place where it talks about Christ's sacrifice and our eternal salvation. I think verse 12 or so. Not with the blood of goats of, or calves, but with his own blood he entered it in once. Verse 12. Go to verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal what? redemption for us. He obtained eternal redemption, eternal buying back for us. It is for our spirits. He's bought our spirits back eternally. We are saved. Okay, then go to James chapter 1, verse 20. James 1 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So, this is salvation of the soul. How long does that happen? Now that you are, we are teaching you the word of God, your mind is changing. It's called the salvation of the soul. Your soul changes, your mind changes to suit what has happened to your spirit already. You get it. And that's a long process. That's why we go to church. If you don't go to church, your soul will not be saved. You keep thinking foolishly. If you want your thoughts to change, you must be in the house of God. It's in the Bible plenty. First Peter 1.18. Let's look at it. Even the salvation of your soul. Verse 7. Go to verse 7. Uh-huh. Let's read from verse 8 to verse 9. Okay? He's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus whom you have not seen, but you still love anyway. In whom though now you see him not, yet you believe. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 9. 
receiving the end of your faith, receiving the end of your salvation. So the the completion of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So the end at the end of the day, God would want your soul to be saved, for you to have your mind renewed completely. God knows that you are still thinking in a certain way. You are still thinking like you are coming from Ghana, even though He wants you to think that you are coming from you are in Christ and you are coming from God. He want, that's how He wants you to think. Do you get it? But gradually through the word of God. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says that, and be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind is transformed over, over a long period. It's called the salvation of the soul. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Look at Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Next verse. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Isn't it? To the saving of the soul. So there's the saving of the soul. Do you understand? There's the saving of the spirit, and there's the saving of the soul. The saving of the spirit has happened. The saving of the soul is happening. But there's a day coming when our bodies shall be saved. There's a salvation of the body. And it is called the hope of the church. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Look at Philippians 3 20. For our conversation, our, our, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body? Go, go up. Go to verse 20 once again. Let's read Amplified. I think it will help you. But we are citizens of the state. He says we are citizens. It is true. We are citizens of the state, commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. Then he says, and from heaven also we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as Savior. Savior of what? Look at the next verse. Who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation. This body of our humiliation. To conform to and be like the body of his glorious majesty. Of his glory and majesty. By exerting the power which enables him even to subject everything to himself. So there's a day coming when this body of ours shall be transfigured and shall be changed. Into the glorious body. Now what is he saying? Do you know that Jesus is sitting in heaven with the body he was born with? Do you know? The tomb is empty. Christ resurrected. And when Christ resurrected, he resurrected and took his body. The body that he had when he was multiplying abodo and fishes the body that he had when he was walking on water the body that he had when he was here on earth at age 12 the same body he had is the same body he's, he ascended into heaven with so this your body that you are sitting down here with is the same body you will be in heaven with but glorified Jesus' body is now glorified he doesn't have to come through doors it appears. The glorious body appears and disappears. I'll show it to you. You remember Jesus came into the room where his disciples were. They were eating. They had shut all the dogs because they were afraid. And as they were there, Jesus just appeared. And he had the same body. Peter and John went to the tomb to go and find out if it was true that his body was not lying there. When they went, the body was not there. Hmm? The Pharisees went to tell Pilate that if they leave Jesus' body unguarded, his disciples will come and steal the body. So they should roll a big stone that you need about 20 men to roll and put about 50 soldiers there to protect it and seal it. That's what they did. Because Jesus had said that he would rise from the dead after three days. So they were expecting it. And they thought that the disciples would just come and steal the body and say, hey, he has risen from the dead. God sent an angel. An angel came, rolled the, the whatever. He didn't even roll it. As he was coming, the thing was rolling on his own. And he sat on it. And all the soldiers who were around, when they saw what was happening, they fell as dead. They, obviously they fell as they were practically dead. They were seeing their eyes were open, but they couldn't move their body. And Jesus came out of the tomb with that body and was moving in town with it. So this body, that's why he's saying that, listen, the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What does the Lord need the body for? The Lord is going to raise that body up. Go go to that place. He's going to save that body. What's the saving of the body? The transfiguration or the glorification of your, this body of yours. This same body of yours is going to be transfigured. It's going to be changed. 
He says, who will transform and fashion anew the body of our nation to conform to and be like the body of his glory and majesty by exerting the power, that power that, which enables him even to subject everything to himself. That's what is going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to show you some things in the Bible. And you, you, need, you really need to catch it. It has to change you. It has to change you. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read verse 52. How is Jesus going to do it? How is he going to change this our body? Remember that it is the same body. I've told you. Have I told you? It is the same body. Okay. Go back to 1 Corinthians 6. Where we're reading. The verse that we're on. And let's go to the next verses. So that I'll show you. And then come back to this. Okay? It says, and God has both raised up the Lord. God has raised up the Lord. And will also raise us up us by his own power. He will do it. Next verse. Then it says, knowing not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Our bodies are the members, literal members of Christ. There's something called the body of Christ that you are born into. It's not just spiritual. It's also it's, it's spiritual, but then our physical bodies are part of that spiritual body. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. What one body is he talking about? He's talking about the body of Christ. Okay? So go to verse 27. Same book, same chapter, verse 27. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and what? Members in particular. Ye are now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. We are members of the body of Christ. Which portion of our system is, is members of the body of Christ? The other one lets us know. Both our spirits and our bodies. It's not just our spirits. For a long time we've been thinking that it's just our spirits. That our parts are members of the body of Christ. But our very flesh, our very body, is a member of the body of Christ. Are you seeing it? Yeah. Now you are the body of Christ. And members in particular. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Ephesians 5.30 I'm showing you from the scripture Have you noticed I don't I just, I'm mentioning scriptures Go here, go here, go here, go here These are things God has said If you despise it, you are despising God First Thessalonians chapter 4 says it Since the one who despises what he's saying He's despising God He's not despising man, he's despising God So you dare say that Oh, they have said it But I also do whatever I want to do God will surprise you For we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones. Whose flesh? Christ. Look at the next verse. For this God shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Next verse. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I speak concerning. What is he saying? He says, marriage. Marriage is actually not something that is for us. It's not just that you've married your wife, you're just there. It's a representation of something that happens between us and Christ. Last week I was telling you that what makes you married is your consummation, is your sex. If you come and you come and you, we, we bless your marriage here, you give, you, you say vows and all that, you sign documents and you go home and you don't have sex. You've not, you are not married. The following day you can divorce and it is legal in this country and anywhere in the world. What makes you married is your sexual act. I sing it. The means of becoming one flesh with somebody is through sex. Go back to First Corinthians chapter 6. Where we're reading. Let's just continue reading. As we are going on, you will see why he says that fornication is not good. Don't continue. You may have done it in time past. Maybe this morning you fired one before you came. <laughs> well, but now that you are getting to know the scriptures, you have to start changing your mind. And start reducing it. If you had five boyfriends, bring it to three. No, it's very difficult to just stop for some people. Some people can just stop by the power of the Holy Ghost. But some people, they, they draw the grace of God in small, small portions. Teaspoon type of grace. Yeah. So, yeah, don't worry. Let's stop gradually. Give yourself three months. If you die within the three months, it's up to you. My wife is saying, just stop. Knowing not that your bodies are the members of Christ, then he says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Anybody who f- f- 
prostitutes or fornicates around is an alert. Yeah. He's not talking about prostitutes. It's like, oh, I don't sleep with prostitutes. No, he's talking about anybody. Hmm? If you sleep with someone you are not married to, you're a prostitute. I'm not always, he says, You are a harlot. Go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. He says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Whoremonger, do you know a whoremonger? Amplify, let's read amplify. Let marriage be held in honor, esteem worthy, precious of great price, and especially dear in all things. And thus, let the marriage bed be undefiled, kept on its honor. For God will judge and punish the unchaste, all guilty of sexual vice. And adulterous, all guilty of sexual vice. Message: All guilty of sexual vice is called homongers. You are a homonger. Honor <laughs> marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Casual and illicit like having sex is easier than saying I love you. Okay. If your body is a member of the body of Christ, members of the body of Christ, shall I take the body of Christ and make it a member of an harlot? Why is he saying that? Because when you have sex with somebody, you become one with a person. You are now a member. My wife is a member of me, and I'm a member of her. She's my wife. I can do whatever I want. Marriage bed undefiled. Anything can go. Oh, that's the beauty of marriage. Anything. We can live the leg scissors style. Whatever. It's marriage. You are a marriage. Marry. If you are struggling, the Bible says that it says if you are struggling, just marry. That's the key version of First Corinthians chapter seven. If you realize that you are suffering, you are struggling, movement, just marry. Nothing prevents you from marrying. Just marry. Do you understand? Shall I then make it says and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? No, you know that he that is joined to an harlot is one body. For two, see that he shall be one flesh. Two, see that he shall be one flesh. So what he's talking about in Ephesians concerning how that a man shall leave father and mother and shall cling to his wife and they shall, the two shall become one flesh. Then he says, I don't speak concerning this one. I'm speaking, I'm actually speaking. It's a great mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It is because of what happens with us. Okay? With him. We are members of his body. So if you take your body and you are fornicating, you have, you have taken your, the body of Christ and you have made it a member of an harlot and he will not take it for granted. He will not joke with it. So, he says, next verse, look at the next verse. Verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Continue. Flee fornication. Have you seen it? Same, same subject. Flee fornication. Run fly. Flee fornication because every sin that a man does, every one of them, if you smoke, is without your body. It's without your body. The word without is outside. You smoke, it's outside your body. What body? It's outside the body of Christ. It doesn't affect the body of Christ. I'm not saying you should continue smoking. No, that's not what I'm saying. It does something else. But it doesn't... Because it's not taking your, your body and making it a member of an alert. So he narrows it down to sexual vice. He says, shun immorality and sexual looseness. Flee from impurity in thought, word, or deed. Any other sin which a man commits is one outside the body. Which body? Outside your body, which is the body of Christ. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You are sinning against your own body. Why? Because the day of your transfiguration, the day of your transformation, something will be lost. It will affect your resurrection. Because this same body is what will be resurrected. Okay? First Corinthians 15.2. Now, I said, I've set you up for it. First Corinthians 15.2. In a moment, this is the day, there are two comings of Christ. The second coming of Christ is in two forms. Or is in two parts. The first one is private. He comes privately. The second one is public. He comes publicly. The private one is for his own. For his own. The public one is with his own. Okay? And this verse here is actually the private one. He's talking about the private coming. What do I mean by for his own? He's coming for his children, for, for Christians. 
And that one, he will not, his feet will not touch this ground. He will appear in the sky. Some call it rapture. He will appear in the sky and his sons and daughters will be raptured. They will be pulled up to him. Okay? The rapture is the same time that you have resurrection taking place. He says, in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The dead, all those who have died, shall be raised. Hmm. Sometimes it's like it's a movie. It will happen practically, you'll be shocked. Don't take it serious, you'll be surprised. He says, the dead in Christ shall be raised what? The dead shall be raised incorruptible. In a moment, say in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. A twinkle of an eye is, is shorter than a blink of an eye. You see how fast it is for you to blink your eye and open. By before that, before you blink your eye and open, it has happened a long time. Then it says, "The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We shall be changed." Go to First Thessalonians chapter four. Let me show you, and then use it to explain this for you. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter four. Let's read from verse 13. But I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, because there are a lot of people who are ignorant of this thing. Concerning them which are asleep, or the word asleep means those who are dead, that so that he sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Why don't they have no hope? They don't have any hope because they don't have any hope of resurrection unto life. There's resurrection unto life and to resurrection of, unto death. Okay? Next verse. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? If we believe it, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, or those who are dead in Christ, will God bring with him. What is he saying? Next verse. For this we say unto you, that by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are dead. What is he saying? He says that when Christ is coming, he will come with... When someone dies, if someone... A Christian dies today. Where will his body be? It will be here on earth. Isn't it? We'll bury his body somewhere. But his spirit will go to heaven. His soul will follow. But his body is here. Now, the day that Christ comes for his own, he will come into the air. There's a place that talks about that one. Same place where I'm reading. So you let's continue. Let's just continue. I want to help you. Really, Charlie, God, God really wants to help all of us. Okay? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He says God will bring with him. Next verse. For this we say unto you that by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or which are dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. What shout is that? The trumpet that was mentioned at the other side. First Corinthians 15, 52 down. He says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of, an, of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the dead in Christ shall rise first. What is he saying? He says, all those who are sleeping in Christ, that God shall bring. Next verse, look at the next verse. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So Jesus will appear in the air, in the clouds, the first thing that will happen is that he will be coming with those who have died in him. Their spirits. When he comes with them, their bodies here on earth will be changed and meet the spirits in the air. <laughs> so let's say a Christian died in the sea. There was a shipwreck and he died in the sea. A lot of very wild Christians have died in the sea. Okay, His flesh has been eaten up by fishes and all that. And some of the particles may have fallen into the seabed down there. And we may have even eaten the fish. But if you eat the fish, some of the whatever will come out of your poopoo. The poopoo ends up somewhere. The, if all God needs, all Jesus needs is just one small particle of your body. That small particle of your body. Wherever your particles are, the particles of your body are. If you eat it and it's someone's whatever DNA, it will still fall off in the ground. Everybody that has died is here on earth. The body's part is here. Whether in sand or in bones or what is here. Do you understand? So he will come with his own in the air. And the bodies that are there, the DNA samples, the DNA particles that are there in the ground shall be raised and they shall meet their bodies in the air. 
That's the first thing that will happen. Then he says, those of us who are alive and remain will also be changed. This body of ours will be changed. Will you, you have the full one. It will just change like that. And you shall, be, you shall meet him in the air. Have you seen it? But there's a, there's a problem. The problem is that some things can keep you here on earth and not allow you for your body to change. I'm not the one. Let me show it to you. And one, one of the major ones is fornication. Go to chapter 5, verse 1. Verse 7, chapter 5. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just showing you the, the word of God. Yeah. If you are not aware of eternal judgments, of resurrections and all that, you fool around. You just do whatever you want. You think it's, everything is just here. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's what you think. But if I show it to you, you will be careful. And you will be smarter. You will employ grace to help you. Yeah, because we know we can employ grace, but we don't. And God, you know, Abby, you know that. This is my weak point. This be my weak point, Lord. You know. Why, why are you tempting me with this? I've told you. God cannot be tempted with evil. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Have you seen it? The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Next verse. For when they shall say, he's not coming as a thief in the night to Christians. He's coming as a thief in the night to unbelievers. Says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Next verse. But you, but ye brethren, are not in darkness. See, I'm not in darkness. That the day should overtake you as a thief. So that day cannot overtake you as a thief. Are you seeing it? Because you are not in darkness. Next verse. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So he's not going to come as a thief in the night for us. However, continue. Therefore, let us not what? Let us not what? As do others. But let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. What does it mean to be sober? I was explaining on, on Wednesday. You can get the podcast. To be sober has to do with the mind. If we say someone is mad, what does it mean? The person is here physically, isn't it? But his mind is out of this realm. That is why he can eat from the gutters. He can sleep in the gutters. He sleeps in the open. He does whatever. He can be naked. I saw a naked woman walking around. I was wondering what was going on. She was mad. Is she, her body is here, but her mind is not here. She's not sober-minded. Is it not, am I not telling the truth? So if he says, but let us watch and be sober. What is he saying? You can be in Christ. Physically speaking, spiritually speaking, you are in Christ. But you are in another state of mind. You are outside of Christ in your mind. You understand? So there are a lot of Christians, they are in Christ. They, they worship, they are doing all kinds of things. When they leave the house of God, all, all manner of concupiscence, all foolishness, they, just, they are just involved. Why? They are not sober in Christ. They are in Christ. But their minds are not on Christ. Their minds are on something else. So he says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Because there are others who sleep. There are Christians who are asleep. But let us watch and be sober. Next verse, verse 7. For they that sleep sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for an helmet, the, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. But some people will still face. Let, next verse. Who died for us that we, whether we, we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Some people are still sleeping. If you sleep in the night, wouldn't the thief come as a thief in the night? You are asleep. You are not awake. So he will come and you will not know. Hallelujah. So you have to be smart. Don't just be moving around like nothing is happening. Okay? Yeah. What will happen on the day of your transfiguration? When your body is transfigured? The Lord needs the body. He needs your body. The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. He wants to raise it up. Because our bodies are members of Christ. Okay, go back there. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He goes and says, no, What? Much? No, you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Who is in you? Whom you have received of God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. What? No, you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Your body, not your spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Whom you have, you have of God. You are not your own. 
for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because on the last tramp, when we are being transfigured, when we are being changed, some people will not change. Or rather, when they change, there are levels of the glory of the transfiguration of your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read from verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. So, your body, what you do in your body now, will affect your resurrection. It will affect your, your judgment. Hmm? He says, homongous and, and adulteress, God will judge. Isn't it? God will judge you. God will judge you. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says a similar thing. The Lord will judge. He will judge them. And to judge means to pick out, to separate. Hmm? To separate you. You are not part of this. Come, come out. You need to be trained further. You need to be purified further before you can be added to the whole thing. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Who is the first? By Adam, death came, isn't it? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. All shall be made alive. Next verse. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that, afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Then come at the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Next, all these things have meanings, but go to 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all and in all. Else, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? What does this mean? Baptized for the dead. To be baptized for the dead means to give yourself over to Metadom. Eh? When we say someone is a matter, do you understand? You know people have died for the Lord? How many of you know? People were bent at a stake. Why did they do that? Why did they allow? They told them to renounce Christ. They said, We will not renounce Christ. Renounce Christ will not burn you. Can't you renounce Christ? Go back and go accept Christ again. Couldn't they have done that? They could have. So that their lives can be spared. But they knew that. If they gave themselves over to die for the Lord, they will have a better resurrection. Because what you do with this body determines your, the kind of resurrection you will have. And they knew. They knew from the scriptures. You know, uh, in, in, uh, in Iraq, they were killing Christians just a few years ago. Two years, three years ago. Even now, they are killing people. Some are being beheaded and all that. Why is it that those Christians don't say that, please, I'm a Muslim now. Then they are saved. When they move to Syria... Or they move to, uh, 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 let's say, to Germany. Then they say, now I'm born again. Why did they still hold on to the testimony of Christ? And were beheaded. Why? Because of a better resurrection. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Then we'll come back to this same place. Verse 29, okay? 11 verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. They were tortured, but they didn't accept deliverance. That they might obtain a what? That they might obtain a what? A better resurrection. There's a better resurrection. Why? Because the resurrected body is in different glories. It's in different classes. So someone was tortured and he didn't accept deliverance. You have not been tortured, but you are using your body for anything. What do you think your resurrection will be in the same category? It will not be in the same category. I see what I'm talking about. It will not be in the same category. They knew that whatever is done to this body will turn, it will become something glorious on that day. Go back to First Corinthians chapter 15, what we're reading, 29. Else, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If there be the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in Job? So he starts talking about himself. Paul starts talking about why stand we in Job party every hour? Paul, do you know Paul? Paul was beaten because of the gospel. Paul was battered because of the gospel. Paul died even because of the gospel. He died, he, brought, he came back again. He came to preach some more and they, killed, they beheaded him. Oh, do you know Paul? How many of you know Paul? 
Let's see some of the struggles of Paul. Okay? Can we see some of the struggles of Paul? What Paul said here is what I'm trying to explain to you. Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Hallelujah. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read from verse 23. 2 Corinthians 11, 23. And then ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundantly. In stripes, above measure. He's showing you what has happened to his life. He says, in labors, in work. I've worked for the Lord. I've worked more abundantly for the Lord. In stripes, in beatings, above measure. They have beaten me several times because of... He, the guy was a doctor of the law. Do you understand? He was a lawyer. But because of the Lord, he was suffering... In stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequent in deaths, often. He has died so many times. Of the Jews, five times received died 40 stripes, except one. 39 stripes, four times, five times. Next verse. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Have you been beaten with rods because of the Lord? No. I mean, clearly it's like he's, he's been treated like a thief. Isn't it? But he was not a thief. He was preaching the gospel. And they were beating him. Every beating in his body represents something in the resurrection. May they be there. It says, Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I have been in the deep or in the middle of the sea. In journeys, often. That's why I travel. In journeys, often, because every travel does something to your resurrected body. It does something to it. It either works gold, silver, or precious stones in your body. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the hidden, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, perils everywhere, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul struggled. Why? Because of a better resurrection. If you want a better resurrection, you must do something more than just communicating with your body. So he says, the body is for the Lord. Because God needs your physical body to do things here on earth. To preach the gospel, to change people's lives. But you are using that same body to fornicate. No. He says, God will judge. God will judge you. Because you have, you have, you have denied God of salvations. How will people's salvation come? It will come through your physical body. Yes, through what you do in your physical body, how well you give yourself over to God for God to use. Go back to First Corinthians 15. Your body is central to everything that will happen. Your body, this is your body, is central to everything. It's central to eternal judgment, it's central to resurrection from the dead, it's central to sufferings in Christ and doing what you are supposed to do here on earth for God. He says, I protest because some people were rejoicing, they were just happy in the church. Not doing anything for God in any way. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Why? Let's read other versions, probably to show us. Why? Why stand we in jeopardy? For, for that matter, why do I live dangerously as I do? Running such risks that I am in peril every hour. Next verse. I assure you by the pride which I have in you, in your fellowship and union with Christ Jesus our Lord, that I die daily. I face death every day and die to self. It's not, that's not what he's trying to say. Not dying to self. He's dying because of the kingdom of God. Next verse. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If the dead rise not, then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Why is it that I'm amplified? Amplified. What do I gain if merely from the human point of view I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus? Did you see him fighting any beasts at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians? That he's not talking about. Even chapter 18 when he went to Ephesus. It was, he didn't fight any physical beasts. But in Ephesus, Paul was, was beaten. Eh? Paul preached so much that there was a revolt in Ephesus concerning his, his life. They threatened to kill him. Because he was going against Diana, the goddess of, of, the, of Ephesus. Read Acts chapter 18, you see it. Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20. The Bible says, in the city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. People bent their, their curious acts. People gave their lives. So many. And the people, when they saw that their craft was, was being lost, they got angry. And they caught Paul. So Paul was calling what happened to him as beasts, the people he faced. 
the oppositions you face because of the gospel as beasts. Do you understand? So he says, what do I gain if merely from the human point of view, I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. If the dead are not raised at all, let us eat and drink. Because for tomorrow we die, we will be dead. Next verse. Do not be so, he says, don't be so deceived and misled. Evil companionship, evil communication, associations, corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. Because of some things that you have been listening to, you don't think that what we are saying is true. It is the truth. It is the truth. Next verse. Awake from your drunken and stupor. Because a lot of Christians are asleep. Awake from your drunken and stupor and return to sober sense. You remember soberness? Return to your sober sense and your right minds and sin no more. For some of you have not, have not the knowledge of God. You are utterly will and willfully and disgracefully ignorant and continue to be so, lacking the sense of God's presence and all true knowledge of Him. I say this to your shame. You don't have the knowledge of God concerning resurrections. You don't have the knowledge of God concerning eternal judgment. That's why you are messing up. That's what you told them. It's not the first. It's not just happening in the body of Christ now. It's happened then. But someone will say, how can the dead be raised? With what kind of body? This is too powerful. What we are coming to read now is too powerful. It confirms what I've been saying to you now. I've just been preaching this to you, but not showing you the scripture, this particular scripture. But what someone will say, how can the dead be raised? With what kind of body will they come forth? What kind of body will they come forth? Next verse. You foolish man. Every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life. Germinates and springing up and growing unless it dies first. If you plant corn, okay, the corn that you put in the ground, what does it do? It, it dies, right? And when it dies, it germinates. And it produces plenty corn. The plenty corn that has come, where did it come from? It came from the one that died. Will you get the plenty corn if you don't have that first one? You won't, isn't it? Our resurrection and blossoming is dependent on our body. The type of body that is sown into the ground will determine the type of fruit that will come up into the, into the skies. Look at the next verse. Let's read King James. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear green. It may chance of which it can be, which or is just giving you types or, of any other grain. Next verse. But God giveth it a body as it pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another of beasts and another of fishes and of birds. Next verse. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, have you seen it? And there is another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differed from another star in glory. Next verse. So is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. This body is corruption. This is what is sown. But it is raised in incorruption. Continue. It is sown in dishonor. This body is dishonorable. It can dishonor you. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. This is it. This is it. It is sown a natural body. This body is natural. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man was made a living soul. The last man was made a quickening spirit. Hmm. He says, so also is the resurrection from the dead. Resurrection from the dead. Some people resurrect as the sun. Their glory will be like the sun. Others' glory will be like the moon. Others' glory will be like the stars. Others' glory will be zero. Is every star different from one from another star in glory? And it is dependent on you. How you? You see, you didn't determine whether your parents will be uh, uh, white or black, or, in, or Ghanaians or Nigerians or South African. You didn't determine where you will be. Wherever you are now, you are there. Whatever it is, you are where you are. But you can. You are the one to determine where your life will be at the end of the day. You get it? Where you are going to be in heaven is dependent on you. It's, it's in your hand. And it's in, it is with what you are doing with this body of yours. Will you fornicate with it? Or you will do glorious things with it? It's all up to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I've, I've struggled. I've done so many things. If the dead rise not. If the dead in Christ rise not. Then let us eat and drink. For tomorrow we die. Let's just be happy. Eating and drinking is a sign of happiness. Let us eat and drink because tomorrow we are going to die. I have two sets of scriptures I can read to you to help you understand it even some more. 
be smart. You have to be smart. Okay? When the boy comes and says, baby, let's do it just once. Just once. Just one. Just one. Nobody will know. Tell him God will know. I will know and God will know. Because it will work a history for you. And you will always know it. Hallelujah. You tip the girl opens her legs for you. Scholarship. You can dive into it and everything will be fine. Tell her, I like my life. I want a better resurrection. Don't you want a better resurrection? You should want a better resurrection. Better resurrection. First Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 1. The one in Ephesians 5, you can read it for yourself. Ephesians 5 from verse 1 to verse 18. It's a long one. Eh? Look, at, look at it. It says, For the Lord avenges all such sins. The Lord avenges all such sins. All the sins of fornication. He says, He will avenge. As we have solemnly warned you before. There are sins He doesn't avenge, but this one He avenges. Go back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. You will see a similar phrase there. Let's read NLT, Hebrews 13, 4. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. God will surely judge. Are you seeing it? What did the other one say? God will surely avenge. The easy English said, God will surely punish. You think God is joking? How many of you think God is joking? So you better tie your penis to your tie. It can destroy your life. It can. Hallelujah. And cement your VJJs. Tile it, cement and tile it. No movement. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may not have known. You know, you may not have known what I'm telling you now. But now you know. Now you know. Start making plans to change your mind. Change your mind now. Because you are destroying your own resurrection. That's why he says that whatever you do is outside your body. But the one who does sins against his own body. Because in the resurrection, your body will reflect what you have done. What you did whilst you were here on earth. It will show. The body will show everything that you did. Some people will even be naked in heaven. Yes. Because the, the garments that they had were spotted. Because of their deeds. So they will be in heaven. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. I'm not going to say it's, it's in the Bible. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Lest he walks naked and they see his shame. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Christians. They don't think that Christianity is, we can do whatever we want to do. No, no, you missed it. You missed it. Says evil communication corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Okay? Don't be deceived. So let's start a project of giving ourselves over to God. Because the same time you used to fornicate, the same time God wants to talk to you and use you to do something remarkable. Same time. Same time. Fornication consumes your mind. You can't even talk to God. You, you don't know what to do with yourself. You are shy of God. You are just messed up. I've just showed you the spiritual dangers of fornication. Apart from the spiritual dangers, there are physical dangers. HIV, gonorrhea, a strange, you know, there are strange sexually transmitted diseases that we don't, we don't know. We, they are not mentioned. They are killer, wilder than HIV. Oh, you don't know? Yes. Wilder than HIV. We have to be careful. What do you think? We have to be careful. People have HIV and don't know it. Yes, right now it doesn't reflect the way it used to. Because right now the symptoms vary from person to person. Yeah. So you may read something online. First week of HIV, these are the symptoms. Second week, these are the symptoms. But it may not reflect in your case. And you will still have it. You go five years. After five years, you write heads. I'm here. Hello, I'm here. And your life is ending. Be wise. Do you remember we're using First Corinthians chapter? We're talking about First Corinthians chapter ten, from verse one, isn't it? Things that happen to you when there's no fear of God. One of the things is fornication. I mentioned idolatry before. 
and I mentioned evil lusts before, isn't it? So this is just one of them as well. Don't think that I'm just preaching. It's like I like preaching about fornication. No. It is because it is mentioned specifically. And I'm doing a series and it's part of it. It's mentioned specifically. It says, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Plenty of them died because of fornication. Yet plenty of them died because of evil lusts. And plenty of them died because of idolatry. And I've spoken about all these things in the last three weeks or so already. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ. So what does it mean to tempt Christ? I'll talk about it on Sunday. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Look at the next one. Neither memory ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. So I'll talk about memory. What does it mean to murmur? Next verse. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition, for our warning. God is warning us that don't do what they did. If you do what they did, you will not end up well. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. We are the ones upon whom the ends of the world are come. We are the only ones to be able to learn from what Israel experienced in the desert. And that's what I'm talking to you about. So don't forget. Okay? Those who committed fornication died in the desert. They couldn't get to the land of promise. They should prevent you from getting the land of promise. So don't matter the age. You don't think that you are the only one who has feelings. Do you have feelings? Plenty. Do you have feelings? Plenty, daddy. How about you? Plenty. Man of God, how about you? Baby. You don't look like it, though. You, don't, you look very innocent. No, not at all. Man of God, how about you? Plenty. You also look very innocent. Baby. You look very, very innocent. All these people have elders, pastors, something. Do you have, do you have movements in your system? I do. How about you? Yes. Feelings. Okay. You look innocent. How about you? Pastor. Plenty feelings. You think you are the only one who has feelings? You are not the only one. Everybody has feelings. Wild feelings. Even when you are married. It's even worse when you are married. I'm telling it doesn't stop. Oh. Even when you are married. Yeah. You have plenty problems. Plenty. You must decide that listen, I'm going to live for the Lord. And you have to start deciding. If you don't zip up now that you are not married, you will do worse when you are married. Killer. You will do killer things because you'll be more powerful, you have more money, you can buy cars for ladies, you can do whatever. I mean, yeah, you will do well, you will do very well. Rise up on your feet and let's bring the service on. I want you to pray to God and ask God for grace. Tell God, God, give me grace to walk and live for you. Give me grace, give me grace, give me grace. I want a better resurrection. Tell God, Father, I want a better resurrection. Help me to live right in this body of mine for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And tell God to forgive you of all that has happened in time past. All that has happened in time past. Father, I didn't know. Because clearly you had no knowledge. In a time of ignorance, the Lord winked that. In the time you didn't know, God winks at. But now he commands every man everywhere to repent because you have knowledge. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.